Coffee Carmen Connection is about being human. It's about you choosing to prioritize your well-being, putting the time in to strengthen your resilience to adversity, and being part of a community that holds you accountable and offers support when the going gets tough. Our podcasts bring expert insight and real-life experiences together for you to enjoy and learn what it is that makes us human and how to work with it. Good morning, Helen. Thank you so, 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 so much for joining me this morning on Coffee Calm and Connections podcast. It's fabulous to have you here. Um, I wonder if we could start just with you giving your sort of a background intro to who you are and uh, and how you define yourself. Okay, well, morning, Sarah, and thank you very much for um, having me. Pleasure. So, a bit of background. Uh, I am 50 years old. I am um, living with my partner. We've got two twins. They are seven years old. Uh, I work full time. I'm part furloughed at the moment, but that's a temporary COVID thing. Uh, I've always worked full time since having the kids. So, you know, I, I guess I define myself as, um, as a professional and a mum that juggles and everything that goes along with that. And I work in, uh, I work in the insurance industry. So, you know, it's a professional in a male dominated industry as well. So many threads to pick up there. Um, I, <laughs> so many. Um, what You and I have had a really interesting, well, many interesting conversations, actually. I love our conversations. But recently, we've had a conversation around something that uh, is I feel quite passionate about, and I understand you do too. So I'd love to get your take on it. So we've got, we live in a world now where... I would say that there is a much more even split of day-to-day responsibilities. We don't live in a world generally where the female brings up the children, the the male is the breadwinner, um, and and it's a lot more split. And for for my personal circumstances, I've got three kids, um, and my husband is phenomenal, and and he absolutely does 50% of child-orientated stuff. He does all of the cooking because I can't cook. but he's also the breadwinner. So um, it's, it's, you know, interesting dynamic. And one of the things that I wonder is how that dynamic has changed sort of the juggling act of a woman. So I wonder if you can give us your thoughts on it because I've got so many thoughts. Sure, it's it's hard to know where to start, (laughs) okay? Um, And I'll come on to the current situation with COVID and homeschooling and fellow separately because that that in itself is a is a is a whole a whole different conversation. But I think just to, if I talk about normal life, you know, I am um, uh, I went back to work after ten months of maternity leave, and uh, and ten months was enough, uh, and I I had no desire to work part time. Or, or, or be a full-time mum. I, I, I was looking forward to getting back to work. It, I've always enjoyed my job. And, uh, and I found that as soon as I went back to work, first of all, it's almost impossible at first to actually hold your job down because the kids keep getting ill at nursery and, uh, and they keep getting these temperatures. And, and, only, 
Only apparently the mum is allowed to come and give Calpol. Nobody else in the world seems to be allowed to do that. <laughs> and so, uh, um, um, and my job was at the time on the road. So I was traveling around the UK. I'd be in Ipswich and I'd get a phone call from nursery saying, you need to come and give them Calpol or take them home. I'd be thinking, how am I going to do this? You know, and, um, and it, it seems... Yeah, you know, I think it's still quite a blatantly sexist world. It always seems to be the mum that gets the call. I always used to have to sit in any any meeting with my phone on and apologise and say, I'm so sorry, if the nursery calls, I am going to have to take that. And I know full well that my partner, uh, he, he's an account exec in the insurance industry. He wouldn't be doing that in his meetings, you know? And um, it, the, the, the men just don't have that pressure that it seems to always fall to the mum, you know. And I actually found the first couple of years very stressful because of that. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's personal experience asking the question. Would you want it to not be you that's called when the children are ill? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, uh, well, I would, to be honest, right, <laughs> there would be times when I would actually think, well, no, I want, this responsibility shouldn't always be mine to be the one that sorts it all the time, you know, so I'd always, yeah, I'd always want to have the call, but, yeah, but the burden of trying to sort it all out on your shoulders all the time, it's, it's not, it's not fair, you know, and and, and, and blokes, I think they, they go around their work pretty unfettered by that kind of stress. You know, it's not the same. I, I agree. I agree to a certain extent because, um, because it does naturally fall to us mm -hmm. as, as the mum. But one of the things that I, I think, because I've done an awful lot of self-evaluation. So this is just me. This is me not... not putting on anyone else but this is just me so I I see it I feel it I know how to manage it I've got an intuition there that tells me actually this particular uh, injury that my yeah. child is telling me is you know requiring amputation and immediate surgery <laughs> is actually really not that bad really calm down versus something's wrong here and I know and I have an intuition about it yeah. that my husband doesn't have and that I think is genetics because you know we've got maternal instinct that mm -hmm. is it's genetics it, it, it's it's evolution it's there and because I'm aware of my own intuition and how much stronger or probably more accurate it is in respect of some things than, yeah. than it, my husband I, I can't let that control go. So there'll be times, because Neil actually, schools have both of our numbers, and if they don't get me, they go for Neil. And I'd say probably in our circumstances, it's 50-50 it's in terms of who mm -hmm. picks that up. But if Neil picks it up, I can't help but stick my nose in. <laughs> like, did yeah, you, you, did you give them Calpol? How much did you give them? Did you give the six plus or the, you know, the zero? Yeah. Did you write down the time? Because we're going to need to give ibuprofen in three hours time. Yeah, yeah. Did you take the temperature? And all of that stuff. And it's not because Neil's a bad person or, or, or useless in any way. It's just, I think it, I feel it, I own it 
in a way that he never will because it's he hasn't got the genetic in him to to do that i'm not speaking for all men i'm not speaking for all women i just wonder what your take on that is it's it's interesting you you should say that because i was actually having a conversation with my partner last night about hearing and the genetic uh, of actually being able to hear your kids now i'm i'm partially deaf i can't hear him <laughs> i can't hear all sorts <laughs> of things but one of them coughs in the night you know at 3am i'm wide awake and uh in a way that he isn't and he's got much better hearing than me and um, we often marvel at it you know this is this has been the case you know for seven years and he'll go you could sleep through anything you could sleep through an earthquake but one of them you know one of them coughs and you, you know you, you're wide awake and he's the other way he's a really light sleeper but he can sleep through all sorts and uh and yeah, in, in the early years, that caused resentment because I'd be there thinking, can you not hear this screaming and crying? Yeah, why are you not up dealing with this? How can you sleep? But it's, I think it's the genetic programming because they genuinely I can't. think so too. And, and we're wired. We're wired to hear it, yeah. So it, We it, are. Yeah. Neil said, to, I remember once when my kids were little and I was on my knees. I hadn't slept for days and I was yeah. exhausted. And Neil had said to me, I'll do kids tonight. And yeah. I was like, oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, so yeah, anyway, yeah. I was up with one of them uh, and I'd been up for two hours yeah. and I was exhausted and I just got them to bed and I snuck into my bed and Neil leapt up and went, don't worry, I'm on it. And I was like, really, you're on it. You are a ninja. I'm so grateful for your help. Um, but I don't, I don't feel like it's right to bash him for that because yeah, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it, like it's a, it's something internal in me that I can't turn off because it's there and it drives me and I recognize it, but mm -hmm. it, you're right. It does, it does cause resentment in, in some ways, but that's, I suppose, where communication comes in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and I mean, luckily, we're through those early years. And, uh, and so <laughs> thank, I couldn't do it again. But yeah, but there, yeah, there were there were times where you just look at your sleeping partner and just think, how can you sleep? <laughs> you know, and it, it, is, it is it is that genetic thing. So, so I, I agree that um, I, I think that there is there is no getting away from the fact that you own that and uh and that issue but at the same time i'd be lying if i said i never felt resentment <laughs> yeah and i think you're right I, I think there's so many people out there that 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 will absolutely resonate with what we're talking about um and and i am one of them 100 percent. <laughs> so last week my my husband was took time off work and did easter holiday duty um every time i came home the house looked like i don't know a bomb had hit it and I can't understand why and, and it causes resentment and then yeah, I get yeah, yeah. tired and grumpy and and all of these things are like a day-to-day -day things but I'm just trying really to evaluate my own my own feelings towards it and whether actually the fact that he hasn't changed the empty toilet roll for the full toilet roll is yeah. because he's gone this is not my job. This is yours as the woman, which I don't think it is. I think he's not even seen it. It has just not entered his conscious. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas if I point it out and say, this happens quite a lot. Do you think you might be able to help me? I know he'll try his best to, to do that. Um, yeah. So it's, it's such an interesting dynamic because there are lots of relationships where that communication isn't there and there won't be the, the level best to try and help with this particular toilet roll issue, whatever it might be. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that must cause huge resentment. Um, and it's this juggling act, isn't it? Well, have you, have you ever, there's, there's um, a sort of series of cartoons about mental load. Have you ever seen that, that sketch? And it's, it's think quite so. interesting um, because, and it's entitled, Why Didn't You Say So? Right? And it's all about women that take, them, take the mental load of everything. Oh, yeah, I've got to pack the PE kit. I've got a meeting in, uh, in Hull tomorrow. I need to do this presentation. Uh, uh, oh, I must remember sandwiches. All that stuff, right? And, uh, and then you take it all on, and then, uh, and then, you, and then you huff and you puff, and then, you, you, then your partner comes in and goes, what, what's up with you? You go, oh, I'm doing all this. And they go, well, why didn't you say so? Right? <laughs> and uh, and there's, a, there's a lot of psychology behind that because a lot of the time you think, well, I shouldn't have to. You know, you know all these things. You know they've got PE tomorrow. You can pack the bag. And, um, but, uh, but sometimes you just have to think, well, why didn't I say so? You know, there's no point being a martyr. And, uh, and you know, there's, there's two sides to it. You know, you are, you are in it together. And so actually taking responsibility should be hard. But it's down to that shared role again. Who knows who's taking responsibility for which bits? You know? <laughs> so, and also... I, do you know what? I love that. And if you can, if you can send me the details for that sketch, I'd, I'd love to yeah, include it in the show notes yeah. for this because it, it's, in fact, I think it might be the title of this episode. Why didn't you say so? Because, <laughs> yeah. because I do that all the time. And Neil says to me, because I don't think on the levels you do, like it, yeah. it, 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 it's not natural to me. It doesn't, I don't think on all of those multiple levels. I think on one level at a time and perhaps that's you know a problem and i need to try and think of more levels but actually you also need to give me some of those levels give yeah, me yeah, some yeah. of those balls i'll gladly take them i just don't know you're juggling them at any one time because i don't think that way and that to me seems a fair compromise it's interesting because yeah i spent uh, you know a lot of time to- talking to my partner ollie about this and i actually sent him the mental load um cartoon and said if you read this you'll get it Right, and he's read it and he's got it. And the other day, uh, he was getting all the kids' stuff ready for school, and I noticed that the the water bottles had been through the dishwasher, and they always lose the name once they've been through the dishwasher. And he'd actually rewritten it on in 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 the sharpie pen. And I'm like, yes, he's got it. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> that level of detail because those are the things that he would normally forget you know he'd he'd do the lunch he'd get the water bottles but that that and I thought he's actually done that (laughs) and that detail is the thing that tips us over the edge so the gratitude we have that you wrote the name on the water bottle and it sounds so ridiculous he's got no idea how ridiculously pleased I am with that yeah (laughs) it's made it into a podcast episode (laughs) Mm, I think that epitomizes what we're talking about in in so many ways um going now to not necessarily just just that particular topic but one of the things that I think has happened over the last year is you juggle all these balls but when you're in a regime a, a structure 
you can almost just about manage it. And then something like COVID comes along and all of a sudden everything that was certain and planned and structured is now uncertain, unplanned and unstructured. And you've got to restart from the beginning. And I'm thinking about homeschooling, furlough, yeah. um, the massive changes and, and, and uncertainty that goes with it. How's that affected you over the last 12, 18 months? It's, well, it's been quite prominent, the effect in this house. You know, obviously, everybody's been affected by, everyone with kids has been affected by the homeschooling. But I think more, what's happened in our house uh, is that um, I was part furloughed. And I was, I was part furloughed. And it's been this sort of blessing and a curse. And, um, and I was the obvious one to be part furloughed um, at work because of the role that I, that I was doing, which was getting sort of a lot of new business on board. And, 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 and so doing initial meetings and onboarding it. And that level, that type of activity was the first to drop off um, with COVID. So, but also, you know, um, Adam and Luke at Works, you know, said you know, it'll help with homeschooling. And at, yeah, it, so, you know, they were, they were being kind, which indeed it has helped with homeschooling. Uh, because instead of having to, you know, juggle the work and, you know, kids coming in on Zoom calls and all that sort of stuff, um, the, the way I was, the way my days have been structured is that I've been working in the afternoons and furloughed in the morning. So I've been able to deliver the homeschooling in the morning. But the downside of that is that it's fallen to me. And it's right that it's fallen to me because I wouldn't expect Ollie to ha have to juggle it when I'm, when I'm free in the mornings. And so uh, all of a sudden, what was a totally equal relationship and partnership suddenly became really quite like the old traditional, um, where I'm the, uh, I'm, I'm the stay-at-home mum. Of course, my income's uh, um, affected as well. So all of a sudden, instead of being equal in that respect, it's probably my own psychology, but I felt that I wasn't contributing as much because I've always, you know, always contributed just the same. And so I just felt that my my role at home and and at work just diminished, you know. And um and you know, and I didn't feel, you know, for me it affected my status. And I, you know, I wasn't I wasn't particularly happy. It's a lot better now because they're back at school. But, you know, all of a sudden I just thought, all I'm doing is, you know, times tables and unloading the dishwasher. Is this what my life is? You know, and that, nothing wrong if you've chosen that life, but that, that's not what I chose for me. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it, it upset the balance you know, in our relationship. Do you know, it's funny you say that because we've, our balance, the world's balance upset and our, and our balance has been upset too, but one of the things that happened in our household was that Neil took the brunt of the homeschooling. Right. Neither yep. of us were furloughed and he took the brunt of the homeschooling, which has left me feeling like I'm not very good at the mum side of things. Oh, and actually, I really need to put a yeah. lot of effort in. And, and I, you know, I watch all of I see loads of things on social media of, of all the wonderful things that people have pulled off during homeschooling and, you know, get out, got out, made volcanoes that actually erupt and all of these wonderful things. And I haven't really participated in any of that. So I felt the opposite, like 
almost Neil's Neil's doing the breadwinning stuff and he's doing the parenting thing and and what's my use really what do I contribute to the family so it's the same diminished role it's just the other way around. I've done it the other way yeah yeah it's and funny it, isn't it it's funny well the psychology might, might, of yeah this might make you feel a bit better Sarah because even though I was doing all the homeschooling stuff with the kids again I would see on social media people doing these beautiful artwork and then making these things out of like toilet rolls and stuff and they just with these creations and I'm just rubbish at that right and so I I collected a load of like loo roll holders and we were going to make a forest and I was going to make trees out of them you've never, I, I can't even describe what that thing ended up looking like <laughs> but it was awful <laughs> and and I, I didn't want them getting paint on the table and all all sorts and it just, the whole mm -hmm. the whole thing in my head was going to be this lovely arts and crafts afternoon, but it was it was a horrible time for all of us, <laughs> and, and that because <laughs> it's just it's just not my skill. And I can say hand on heart I try, but but all that ended up making me feel even worse all the time because I'd see people doing all these lovely fluffy things, and I go I'm going to do that. I'm going to do some arts and crafts. I'm going to create something. And it was a disaster every time. It just didn't work. And also, it wasn't even fun doing it. <laughs> uh, do you know what? You that you've just you could have described me there. I'm not good at it. I don't enjoy it. My no. OCD takes off because actually you are going to get paint on the table and yeah, the floor and it. your clothes. Yeah. Uh -huh. oh, it's not just me. <laughs> yeah. How know, do you manage? Like. What what kind of tools have you learned over your life that when you recognize you are starting to feel diminished or, or your self-confidence uh, going or you're feeling higher levels of anxiety, what do you do? How do you get through it? That's a good question because sometimes I, I think there's a little bit of a delay between experiencing these feelings and recognizing them um, because you, you just you, you just cope and get on with things and and you and then you find that you've been coping and getting on with things for i don't know weeks and then all of a sudden a little switch inside you guys i'm not happy yeah i'm i'm not myself i'm not right and um and, and for me it takes a while to realize that um and normally uh it's interesting because i think i suppress a a, a lot of um anxiety and, and stress that, uh, in that way and just get on with things. My body has a way of telling me, you know, and in the, you know, in the last few years, I've developed a lot of food intolerances that I never had. And, uh, and I'm sure it's just your body going, something's not right here, you know, and, uh, and you're not recognizing it. So I'm going to make you recognize it. And then all of a sudden I'll get allergic reactions and intolerances. And I'm like, ah, yeah, this is my sign. This is my body telling me to pay attention to your mind and get sorted. And so that, that's the first step is actually recognizing that, that I'm stressed. Yeah. I think you're that I think that's such an important topic. I did um, a podcast with uh, a clinical psychologist called Aji and he's fabulous. And one of the things we were talking about was emotional signaling and how those signals can be subtle but as a sort of as a western world as a society we've lost um 
the ability to recognize those signals and mm-hmm. the first step in anything really is to start to recognize those signals again yeah it's yeah. so interesting and i think it's funny when the physiological takes over and goes i'm going to hit you now because you're really not listening to me <laughs> yeah yeah and that seems to be what happens with me you know as soon as i get a trigger you know with a food allergy or something like that i'm like oh of course you know because i know i know it's always connected and yeah and i guess one of the it's... first things that i do is is, is talk to ollie you know because you know he he knows me you know as well as i know myself and uh and and so i and so i i go um i'm i'm worried about this i'm not happy about that and he'll always go well i could have told you that <laughs> i could have seen that coming yeah 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 you know my, my husband says yeah. to me my husband says to me regularly like I'll go home from work or something and I'll be tired and he, his his saying is I've got a question for you Sarah are you going to run headlong into that brick wall or do you think you should maybe sit down and have a cup of tea for a minute yeah. and almost always I go oh yeah that's happening yeah 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 it's, it's, uh, yeah yeah so he can recognize the signs before you can and uh, and um yeah, and and Ollie will do it with me as well. You know, he'll just go walk away, step away, go for a walk, get your headphones on, do do whatever you need to do. You know, and uh, you know, and he'll you know, he's he's quite a calm person. You know, he's very, you know, he's not he's not not up and down. He's he's a plateau, which is good because I'm up and down. You know, so he'll get You've just describe Neil and I. Yeah, <laughs> it works, doesn't it? Yeah. It balances it out. It does. Yes. One of the things you said not just a minute ago is about um, sort of, uh, you know, the inner voice that you're ignoring before your body takes over. Tell mm. me about that inner voice because everybody's got one and some people don't recognize it, some people do. Who is your inner voice? What kind of things do they tell you? Uh, I think my inner voice uses humor to, 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 to cheer me up, actually. Um, uh, I, I can hear my inner voice now, and it's all—it's always like, "Come on, Helen," you know, and and it's quite, um, yeah, it's it, it will it will take the mick out of me in an encouraging way, which is probably a, a northern sense of humour. Yeah, my inner voice is northern. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it uses humour to cheer me up and sort of goad me along. I would say, yeah, I'd say my inner voice is encouraging. uh, That's fabulous. And also, I think, I don't know, but quite unusual. Ah. Sort of the inner critic. Uh, Do you have an inner critic as well or? (laughs) Yeah, but again, it's it's humorous, you know. And um, so if you if I if I if I if I mess up or do something that's blindingly, well, that was obvious that was going to happen. Yeah, I'll be like, oh. You knew that was going to happen, you know, and it, it it will be sort of sarcastic but humorous at the same time, you know. So, yeah, it will it will take. Uh, yeah, I guess when when I'm critical, it will do it in a sort of humorous way to make me sort of like roll my eyes and go, oh, here we go. <laughs> so I think that's really good, and I think I think I think what's interesting there is a that you're aware of your inner voice. And B that you've kind of got a relationship with them, <laughs> where which, which I like. I yeah. I don't I don't think my inner voice is particularly kind. And what I worry a lot about is that 
my inner voice will become my children's inner voice to them? It's, in, it's interesting you should say that because actually, when I was saying about my inner voice being very encouraging, right? Obviously, when you're with kids, you're always encouraging. And, uh, and my kids have actually noticed how encouraging I am. And, uh, and, and they've actually, you know, said, Mum, thanks for the encouragement. You know, uh, 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 quite, quite a lot. You know, they're all the time saying, yeah, that's really encouraging. You know, so, so that part of my inner voice is being the kids as well, you know, and, but that's, that's, that's in a positive way. So I'm happy with that. That's incredibly positive. And I think particularly given the, the state of the world in the last 12, 18 months is incredible that, that that's what your kids are taking from you, yeah. encouragement and positivity. I don't know that my kids would say the same. <laughs> I mean, the context that this was in was uh, we, we, they learned to ride big bikes, you know, and then we've also been doing a lot of running. I've been taking them out on runs and stuff. So whereas I've not been a raging success at the arts and crafts or anything like that, I have. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm quite sporty. I'm quite outdoorsy. You know, I do all that, and uh, and I think um, that encouragement comes from a sort of sports culture as well, you know, and. When you go running and do races and stuff, everybody's rooting for you, and it is that there is that mindset. And so, and once 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 you've got that, I think you you, you can translate that sporting mentality into in, into life really. So that's where I've been good with the kids because as soon as I get them doing something sporting, riding the bike and you know running, then yeah, I can. I, I, that's where the encouragement really kicks in. Do you know what? I, I wholeheartedly agree with you there. We're very outdoorsy as mm -hmm. a family and uh, and actually we are all at our happiest yeah. when we're outside. And I remember my eldest having a bit of a, she had a she's had a really tough time recently actually. Um, and I, her and I, she absolutely refused. I don't want to go out. I don't want to do anything. And she was in a really negative frame of mind. And I said to her, it's not, I'm not asking, I'm telling, get your yeah, shoes yeah. on, we're going. I think it was in January. And we just did a walk. So there was no, yeah. like, you know, it was just a walk. It was dark. Um, and by the time she came back, we only did about three miles. By the time she came back, she was a different person. And I said yeah. to her, just recognize your, how you feel now versus how you felt an hour ago. Just recognize that, you know, understand it. I'm not telling you to do anything else. Just recognize. So the next time it's, do you remember last time when you felt It'll, rubbish? Yeah. Yeah. And then you felt good. Let's just try that again. And that kind of small incremental mind shift, being outside, being at one with nature. It works, <laughs> says man. Sarah, who's never been. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Whenever, whenever absolutely. homeschooling was, was getting a bit too much, which would, would happen, is that we'd just get our coats on and get out. And I'm lucky because I live in a village with countryside just outside the door. You know, we're, we're in open fields within one minute. And um, and that, that that was the antidote to everything. Whenever we were, couldn't, we were getting stuck on something, whenever they were put, kicking back and saying, you're not my teacher, which happened a lot, you know, we, you know, we'd just go and do that. And that would sort things out. You know, you find your way of coping, don't you? You do, and I think that's a fabulous way of coping, and it is actually very uh, uh, similar to our life way of coping too. So it's fabulous. Okay, Helen, I've got three questions for you. Fire away. Um, if 
you were given an opportunity to talk to Helen from 20 years ago, what would you say to her? 20 years ago, right. you know what? I was, I was actually 30, 20 years ago, so not even that young. <laughs> and, um, so it's not, it's not like I'm talking to some formative youth here. Um, <laughs> but I would actually say, um, uh, what would I say? I'd probably say, um, take better care of yourself, you know, because at, at, at that age, in my 30s, um, I, I, I wasn't particularly healthy. I wasn't into sport or any of that sort of thing. And I'd probably give some pills of wisdom and say, start with the healthy, healthy eating and the sport and all that earlier, because actually it's the key to, it's the key to feeling better on, on every level. And, you know, and I, I was, I was going out and having lots of fun, but yeah, uh, yeah, I wasn't making healthy choices and I would probably, I'd probably get myself on a better track there. That would be my advice. I think, I think that's very good advice. Very good advice. If you had listened to this podcast, but it wasn't you speaking, mm. it was a friend, what would, what would you say to said friend? Um, I would say there's been some interesting stuff that we've talked about. Um, I would say that it's, uh, it's quite it's quite the the thread in everything that we're, that we're talking about is probably communication uh, and uh, and i would say that actually what what's probably screamingly obvious is that the solution to all the stuff that we talk about is communicating and i think one of the things that's also quite clear is the support of our partners in this and the important role that they play you know and that's that's interesting it's really interesting and I communication I think is communication and being outside are I think two of the really yeah. fundamental um, things that have helped me in my life and last question which I'm going to leave you on uh, for accountability's sake is there anything you are currently working towards at the moment any goals you are trying to achieve that you want to tell the masses through this podcast for your accountability um, I always have, um, I always have sort of parenting goals and I always have personal goals. I have work goals too, but they're, they're, they're in a work context. And, um, and so I guess my, my parenting goals is to try and leave the kids unscathed by COVID, right? That, that's a big one. <laughs> and I don't know how I'm going to do that, but if, if, if they can actually come out of it and go, oh, that was fun. That was when we were at home with mum and we had and we learned to ride our bikes. I want them to come out of it with a, something positive, that uh, um, no fear around it. So that's probably the biggest goal. And then I have personal goals like you know I want to run 100 miles a month, you know, and, and cycle a thousand miles this year. But that's standard. <laughs> I think that's fabulous. And I'm I'm doing the end to end Lands End to John O'Groats challenge wow. wow so and my person so that's 874 miles that I've got to complete in uh 2021 but I've actually decided I want to complete it by the end of July and I need to be at 400 miles by the 15th of April and I'm 27 miles off so wow we have we have similar similar goals Helen similar yes. goals yes we have yeah yeah well good luck with yours 
and same to you. We'll check in with yeah. each other every so often. I think that'd be fabulous. Thank you so much, uh, Helen, for coming on. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's been Likewise. very interesting and I think we're very aligned in many, many ways. Yes, yeah, it seems that way. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it too, Sarah. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Your reviews, shares and followership is incredibly valuable to us. If you'd like to know more about our work through Coffee Carmen Connection and how we can support you, please email us at hello at coffeecalmconnection.org or follow us on social media. Thank you.